there was a, uh, there's a writer called A.W. Tozer, and he said, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. How you see God is one of the defining features of your life. Um, and that's not just whether you believe in him or not, but the type of character that you think he, ha- that you think he has. What is God like? Who is God? Your view on these things is actually going to shape who you are. And we've been talking about the kingdom of God for the past seven weeks here at these evening meetings. And today, and uh, the last of these evening sessions, God is inviting you to participate in his kingdom building product, project. And what I want to share with you tonight is that if you have a right view of God, if you know who God is, then that will release you fully into participating in God building his kingdom because he wants you to be on board. And and the best way you can do that, the way that you can most fully realize your potential as a kingdom builder is if you have a right, is if you have a right view of God. And so we're going to look at this through uh, the parable of the talents, uh, which is in the Bible a couple of times. We're going to look at it in Matthew 25 from verse 14 onwards. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted, them, entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talents in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have at least invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now this is a story about now. We live in the middle part of this parable. Um, The master is God We are the servants, and he's given us stuff to do while we await for his return. Um, We're we're waiting uh, eagerly for his return, but in the meantime, we've been given gifts. We've been given um, money. We've been given time. We've been given 
all sorts of things, and we're to use them for his glory while we wait for his return. So, so that's, that's where we are in this parable. We have a job to do. And I'll just quickly, I just want to say the word talents is actually an untranslated word for some reason. Uh, it, it, it's a weight. It means uh, essentially a bag of gold. So think sort of like the cartoon Robin Hood, where there are all those bags of gold and one guy wandering away with five bags of gold. Um, one really helpful rule when reading the Bible is to think about how the original readers would have read it. They wouldn't have thought anything to do with talents like uh, singing or juggling or whatever. This was a monetary thing. But I am going to broaden um, the metaphor to mean this, um, the things that God has given you. What has God given you? And to best use the things that God has given you um, to be a part of his kingdom building, uh, you need to have a right view of God, as I said before. Because ultimately the third guy, the third servant failed because he had a wrong view of God, of the master and his character. And we know that he had a wrong view of the master because he says, you, he, I thought you were a harsh person. But the master that we see in the rest of the story is inviting his servants to enter into the joy of the master. He's saying, well done, good and faithful servant. These are terms of affection, of intimacy. He's saying, come in, come into my presence, be a part of what I'm doing. It, it shows generosity. It's the total opposite of what the third servant sees in the master. And because he has this wrong view of what the master is like, he, he is fearful and he buries his stuff in the ground and he doesn't enter in to everything that the master has for him. He doesn't get more. He doesn't, he doesn't realize the full potential of what he's been given. And I want to encourage you tonight to, to fix your eyes on the right view of who God is. Um, and we're going to look at some examples of that in a moment. But I just felt, um, before we move on to discussing a right view of God, I felt God prompt me when I was reading this um, to talk about how sometimes a wrong view of ourselves can stop us from having a right view of God. Um, and I particularly want to just highlight the idea of unfairness for a moment. We might read this story and think, well, the third guy, it was unfair what he got. One of them got five talents. One of them got two. He only got one. That's not fair. And actually, fairness doesn't really work like that in the kingdom of God. None of them got what was fair. They were all given far beyond what they might have deserved as servants. They were given gifts, things to do. They were given a task. They were invited into what the master was doing. And uh, some of you tonight might feel uh, like, you've been given an unfair hand. And I just feel like God will very gently encourage you to come to him in humility and recognize what God has given to you. Because actually the reality of this parable is some people do have five talents, some have two and some have one. And sometimes we just need to recognize and that we're in a season where perhaps we've just been given one thing that we need to be faithful with. And God's inviting you tonight to set aside any pride, to set aside any sense of unfairness, particularly, I think, in areas of the church where you might see other people being given roles that you were aspiring to. And God says, come to me and be faithful with a little. Because this is, it comes with a promise here that if you're faithful with a little, he will give you a lot. And so it, actually, I've not properly worked out the math, but I believe it should be like exponential growth, right? Because if you have the one thing and you're faithful with it and you get a return of one, then you've got two talents. And you're faithful with those and you've got four. And you're faithful with those and you move on to eight. 
So that was just something God wanted to highlight, that actually we need to shift this idea of unfairness and just look actually at what we've been given and how we can be faithful with that. But as I said, in order to do that well, we need to have a right view of God. And I just wanted to examine some of the ways that actually uh, a wrong view of God can stop us from participating in his kingdom building and how a right view of God can help um, us with that. So if we take the most obvious reading of the passage of being about money, that's a really obvious way that having a right view of God can help you use it well. So a wrong view of God, maybe you see him um, as an, uh, an ungenerous God who, who actually isn't going to, to care for you. You might say, well, I just have to be sensible with this money, so I'm just going to keep hold of it and I'm not going to give it away. Or perhaps you have a wrong view of yourself and you think, I earned this, this is mine, I'm going to do with it what I want. Or maybe, and I suspect this is probably more common for a lot of us, maybe you see um, money as another box that you have to tick for a God who is making you tick a lot of boxes on a list of things that he's expecting from you. And if your view of God is a view of someone who is expecting you to hit all of these things, then you might just think, well, as long as I just give my 10%, then God will be happy with me. But a right view of God reveals to us that all money has been given to us by God in the first place. A right view of God shows his care for his people because you can read about it in scriptures and you can see his faithfulness in the lives of the other people because that was where the third guy went wrong. He didn't see the character of the master through his actions. We can look at the character of God through what he does. So you could look and see, well, God might not make me rich. He makes no promise to make anyone rich. But I've read in the Bible about his faithfulness and I've seen it enacted in the lives of others. So I can be faithful to give with a little. And a right view of God would help you realize actually giving money away isn't to make God happy with me because actually he's, he's given me grace and love in unending proportions. Giving is not about making God happy. It's about being part of what he's doing. It's about being used by him. But it, I think this can apply to other things. It's not a parable exclusively about money. Maybe it could be about the gifts of the spirit for you. So we're talking about tongues and prophecy and healing and that kind of thing. A wrong view of God might lead you to think, he'll be mad at me if I get this wrong, so I'm not going to try. Because you see God as an authoritarian. Or a wrong view of God um, might actually make you think, well, he doesn't want to give these to me. That's for, that's for the good Christians. But again, if we look at his character, if we look at, about, if we look at what his word says about him, it says that the gifts of the Spirit are for everyone. He's poured them out on all people. Maybe um, uh, you, you have been encouraged by a prophecy and you want to be a part of what he's doing through prophetic gifts so you can be a part and share something yourself. And a God who lovingly gives his gifts to people and th through this um, parable we see that when you're faithful with a little, he gives you a lot. You can realize that actually if I just try, if I just step out in faith with the gift of prophecy, then he's actually going to grow this gift in me and I'll be able to do it more and more. Or, or whatever gift, healing, tongues, any of the ones that it lists in the Bible. Time. A wrong view of God. Maybe you just don't see him as powerful enough. Maybe you think that actually you need to take matters into your own hands. 
Um, and so you think filling my time with work is necessary for me to do well. Or maybe, once again, we come back to this idea of a box-ticking exercise. And you, you just have got to keep God happy by doing all the right things that a Christian should. And so you think God wants my Sundays and maybe one of my evenings in the middle of the week when I can afford it. What do you think the Bible says about God related to the time that you have? Well, he's sovereign over time. He cares for his people. He holds your life in his hands. He is your sustainer. And so you can entrust him with your time, knowing that actually he has your life. He cares for you. He's going to guide you down his path. He's going to lead you to places of rest, to still waters, to green pastures. And maybe your view of God, if you see him as the grand creator of the world who wants to know you personally, will change your perspectives of Sundays from being, well, I just have to go because that's what Christians do to being an idea of, I get to hang out with the sovereign ruler of the entire universe and I get to hear from him and I get to be used by him and I get to worship him. Or maybe it is just about your, your talents in the English sense of the word. And I think one of the ways that we can have a wrong view of God in this is that we, again, we, we underestimate just how much he is rooting for you, just how much he has given you the things that you're good at, just how much he has a path laid out for you. And so what we end up doing is we think that the primary purpose of my gifts is to provide a job for myself or perhaps just a fulfilling lifestyle. I see the talents that I have more as a hobby, but I'm not going to use them for anything else. But a right view of God, we turn to the Bible and we see that every good gift comes from above. Every good thing about me has been given to me by God. And every gift that you have is actually for his glory. And maybe a right view of God is that the primary purpose of your talents and your gifts is to add people to the kingdom of God, to be a part of his kingdom building project. Now, if you don't have a right view of God, you're going to be fearful. You're going to be stymied. You're not going to want to use your gifts because you won't, you won't want to get it wrong. You'll be too nervous. You'll, you'll think that maybe God doesn't actually have anything to give you in the first place. If you're too concerned with the talents that other people have, you might not look at the talents that God has given you. So we need to fix our eyes on God. Um, and there, there are some really practical steps you can do to have a right view of God. I've mentioned the Bible a lot as turning to the Bible to see the character of God. That's because this is chock full of stories about who God is and what he's like. And we can learn from the Bible about his character. But we can also... Um, learn about God's character in community, see how God is working in other people's lives and see, that's what God's like. Look how he cared for that person in their time of need. I know that he'll do the same for me. I'd encourage you to sing worship songs that are about the greatness and the glory of God, just to help tune your heart to, to fix your eye, like to, to be directed towards his goodness and his greatness rather than your own sort of... Uh, 
lacking or insignificance. Um, I think there are great books about the character of God out there. Um, I was really helped when I was younger by a book called Incomparable by Andrew Wilson because each chapter is just about three pages long and it's about one aspect of the character of God. And you can just read it and learn something new about God and it's all based on the Bible. Or there's um, The Good God by Mike Reeves, which um, is another short book that is just about how God expresses his love through the Trinity. Stuff like this is going to give you a bigger picture idea of what God is like. And then when you fix your eyes on him and see these things, you're going to be released into being a part of his kingdom building project. But as many practical steps as we can take, Actually, at the end of the day, what we need is the Holy Spirit to reveal the character of the Father and the Son. That's one of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit in you, is to reveal the Father and the Son. It's through him that we see what God is like, that we see what Jesus is like, that we become more like Jesus. If you're here and actually you know you're not a part of this, you know you're not a Christian, Look into who God is. Learn about the character of God. Ask God to reveal himself to you. And I believe he'll be faithful to do that. But if you're here and you're a Christian and you just want more of God, you want to be a part of this glorious kingdom coming here on earth that we've heard about over the past seven weeks, then I think it's really important for us to ask the Holy Spirit all the time to just keep revealing more of God to me. Keep revealing more of the Father's character, more of the Father's love to me. We're going to end by singing a song about the greatness of God. So if the band could come back up, I would love it if we could all just gaze on the goodness of God this evening. And there's a prayer in one of the letters in the Bible, uh, the letters to the Ephesians, that prays a similar thing, that prays you know, uh, about having our eyes opened to who God is and everything that he's done. I want to read that prayer. And it's my prayer for you tonight, that you would see who God is and that the Holy Spirit would reveal him to you. And that as a result, we would be released into everything that God has for us, into the fullness of his plans and his purposes for us as a people of God. For this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And he is above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under Christ's feet and gave him as a head over all things to the church, which is his body, 
the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen.